the Ain't No Fang podcast. From Arizona Sports, Ain't No Fang. Alec Thomas has been sent down to AAA Reno. Will he be able to figure things out? Is he figuring things out already very quickly? We'll talk about that here on the Ain't No Fang podcast. Steve Zinsmeister, Alex Weiner, covers the team at ArizonaSports.com. Alec Thomas struggled mightily offensively so far this season. It's not something that's unfamiliar to this team, or even to Alec Thomas. He got sent down, I think it was in September of last season. Yeah, at the very end. He figured it out very quickly in Reno then, too. Um, So I don't think this is a huge, huge concern, but it's something that they've already done this season with Jake McCarthy, another guy who factors into their long-term plans in the outfield. So two of what I would call your big three with them and Corbin Carroll, two of the three are now down in Reno. Jake McCarthy did not come back up in this move, by the way. They needed a move for a relief pitcher. And so Alec Thomas back in Reno, but quick, quickly figuring things out as we see. Yeah, four hits in his, uh, his first game back. I mean, it, just rocketing the ball 100 miles an hour off the bat. So, so far, so good. Been one game, but yeah, you're right. It's It's sort of... When they came into this season, it was clear they were going to have more options just with guys coming up in the high minors. They bring in Lourdes Gurriel. They bring in Kyle Lewis, who's still on the injured list. But there was just more bodies there for a cushion in case something like this happened. It happened with McCarthy, and they were able to piece it together because Lourdes Gurriel has been one of the hottest hitters in baseball. They have Corbin Carroll and you know Alec Thomas, Dominic Fletcher. They were able to kind of piece it together there. Paven Smith, another option there. And now with Fletcher playing as well as he has, and with Thomas not hitting, they still have that flexibility to make a move. And Mike Hazen said it on the airwaves this week that this is not a punishment. This is simply a player who needs to work on a few things down in AAA and then come back and have an impact on this team. They needed an extra reliever after that extra inning game. Uh, They lost in Oakland in 12 innings. Uh, They brought up Luis Frias, sent down Alec Thomas. I mean, so far so good, but it's only been one game. But um, you just... Want him to level out, particularly against lefties, and uh, I think there's a couple of other mechanical uh, sort of adjustments that they want him to make. So, is it the leg know. kick? Is it the leg kick? He, I think... he does a big leg kick. He's got a very closed stance. He's got a big leg kick, and then he's almost a slap hitter. It almost looks like that. I know he's got a little bit more pop in him than, like you know, say one of the like an Ichiro or something, although Ichiro, he could hit home runs too. Right. But Alec Thomas has a huge leg kick, and from my understanding, that might be part of what they're trying to eliminate in order to help him with lefties a little bit. Yeah, and uh, you know, I was reading this week, um, not traveling with the team, but you know, the Arizona Republic, they are, and one thing that was written this week was that um, something that he's going to work on is limiting that leg kick against left-handed pitching. Um, the splits, I mean, they're... Drastic. You want me to read them to you? Uh, I got him up. He's hitting 28 Ugh. against left-handed 28. pitchers. Oh, 28. 28. There's a and, zero in there. And that's 36 at-bats. Um, so it's not a lot, but it's not nothing. And, One hit. Uh, 14 strikeouts. It just it, He's not seeing lefties correctly. Just the timing's not there, and it's uh, it's not working. Against righties, he's actually been okay. Um, a 797 OPS and 85 plate appearances against righties. That's fine. That's, that's what you... If he's around 800 or if he's even a little lower than 800 with what he gives you speed-wise, defensively. Um, that's, he's just that's, too that's young good. to be a platoon guy. Exactly. Like, you you need to get it right now because if you don't develop the ability against lefties now, when is he ever going to develop that? And it's not like they have a slew of right-handed outfielders who they can use to platoon him with. Lefties are going to have to hit lefties because they have Corbin Carroll and they have Dominic Fletcher and they have him and they have McCarthy. And so 
someone's going to have to hit lefties, and so that's going to be one of the big adjustments for Alec. Uh, I think this might work its way into the conversation here then. Kyle Lewis went on the 10-day IL early in the season. April 8th. And that was obviously a lot more than 10 days ago. It was a virus. We, we don't really know what it was. Undisclosed illness, yeah. Yeah. And last I heard, he was getting a couple at-bats here and there in extended spring training. Uh what is the timeline on Kyle Lewis? Does he fit into this outfield conversation still? I assume he would because of what you just discussed with the lack of right-handed hitting outside of Loris Gurriel. Uh, I would imagine so. Uh, it's curious because of how well Dominic Fletcher is looking. Because offensively, they've been really good. Um, they've been one of the better offensive teams in the league, especially in the month of May. Uh, I believe they're fourth in WRC plus as a team in the month of May. Uh, if I double check that real quick, but I'm pretty sure it's up over 120. Um, yeah, they're number four at 124. So it's not like they're in dire need of like fixing the splits necessarily. Um, Thomas is a guy who needs to go down because it's part of just their future plans. They need him to be better in that spot. But with Lewis, I could see a situation where instead of bringing him back up to the majors right away, they just want him to get every day at bats and, get his wind underneath him. Again, we don't know exactly what happened with him, but um, again, it was just kind of working him, at least Tori Lovello in their last homestand said he's working himself back into baseball shape, you know, not playing every single day, but sort of getting that stability or uh, stamina back. So yeah, it, I think it'll take a little bit more time to see him in sort of a more regular role with the major leagues. It's obvious that whatever this virus was, it knocked him out yeah. pretty effectively. And, and so I think, especially because he was kind of a big question mark, I know he had a, Pretty good spring, if I remember, but... Terrific spring. He had a great spring, but that doesn't always translate right away to the major leagues. And this is a guy who, yeah, he won the Rookie of the Year in a weird COVID year, um, but he's not by any means an established outfielder at the major league level, I don't think. And so for that reason, like, do you really substitute him in for at-bats where Dominic Fletcher right now is hitting 375? He's on base 40% of the time. While he's got a small sample size, too, it's only 56 major league at-bats, don't get in the way of a good thing. If you're the Diamondbacks, you're looking at him, you're looking at Paven Smith's hot start to the season, and Lourdes Gurriel being one of the best hitters in all of baseball the last three weeks or so. I'm looking at that, and I'm like, don't get in the way of a good thing right now. I'm not messing with that. Yeah, I you know you, you, they can't move off of Dominic Fletcher now, but no. isn't this such a great problem to have compared oh, to the last two years? Oh, it's the best. I mean, I mean, and Mike Hazen said it this week where it's just like they have more good players at, you know, the high minors and on the major league team that it gives you these problems. And that's it's great to have because, you know, if you're deciding, oh, boy, the guy who's hitting 375 in his first 50 plate appearances versus someone who has the pop of Kyle Lewis versus someone who gives you the outfield defense and speed that Alec Thomas does, even though he's not hitting lefties, it's just you have so many options to go. And we, we Dominic Canzone's another guy, and you mentioned this uh, while we were talking before the show, who's just hitting everything. Yeah, but he seems and he has right no now. role. He's blocked right now because they have so many outfielders. Is he on so. the 40? He's not. Another thing that's yeah. kind of absurd, I mean, it's not absurd because he's not like this huge name prospect, but he's the one who's probably hitting the best out of all the guys <laughs> that we've just discussed, outside of maybe Lourdes Gurriel, who's kind of an established veteran at this point. Um, I think if you had told me before opening day, that a month and a half from then, if Alec Thomas was hitting 195, Jake McCarthy was hitting 143, and neither of them were in the major leagues, I would have said, that team is screwed. I'd have been like, that is not good. No. That's 
plan Ky- failed. And, and Kyle Lewis is on the IL. And Kyle Lewis has been out the whole time. And your best player is Geraldo Perdomo. I would have been like, <laughs> this team is screwed. But that's just the complete opposite of what's happened. I mean, to go down the line, Gabby Moreno, I think, has been fantastic. He's hitting 321, uh, which is awesome, I think. I'd like to see a little bit more plate discipline and walk a little bit more, but I can't really complain with a guy hitting over 300 with regular at-bats. Christian Walker, he's exactly as advertised. He's the power on this in this lineup. He's got 11 home runs already. Love him. Cattell Marte, kind of right around where I expected him at 278. Perdomo, I mentioned, has been fantastic. Josh Rojas is looking like a gold glove third baseman, finally coming along defensively. Lourdes Gurriel, we talked about, is one of the best hitters in baseball. Pavin Smith's been great. Corbin Carroll might win Rookie of the Year. It goes on and on and on. This lineup is actually, in my opinion, overachieving despite Alec Thomas and Jake McCarthy's failures at the major league level. And they will get better. Yeah, uh, I can't imagine they not. I mean, Jake McCarthy, you've already seen... Offensively, he's been better in AAA so far. It's AAA, but still, sure. it's been better. He's cooled off a little bit. He started off scorching the baseball when he first got down there. It's kind of leveled out a little bit. I'm curious what the next move is going to be for them, whether or not Thomas is down for, I don't know, two weeks or two weeks plus, and then he's the next guy up, if it's going to be McCarthy at some point. Obviously yeah, the... which outfielder comes up first? Exactly. McCarthy's been down for a while now. He a has been, weeks. Yeah. yeah more so than, do more you respect weeks. that? order of operations, so to speak, by bringing McCarthy back up because he went down first. I'm not sure they're going to operate like that. I think it's whoever, whomever they think is going to give them the better chance to win now. So it could be McCarthy. Um, it could be another situation where even if they think it could be Alec, but they still see a couple of things that he needs to work on. I think just for the law, the, the, better, the, the good of the longevity of the season, I think, that's what they're going to work on as opposed to like, oh, he went down first. Let's go with him. So that's it's, it's such a good question, though, because they can go so many different ways with it. And now you have the Zach Davies question lingering because he's getting closer and closer and closer. What do you do with the starting rotation? So, yeah, it's uh, it's not an easy uh, job that Mike Hazen has right now, but it's certainly one that I'm sure he appreciates more than the last couple of years. What's your read on the starting pitching situation? So like you mentioned, Zach Davies, uh, he's been out for quite some time. The timetable has always been a bit vague, and we don't know exact, exactly when he would come back. Yeah, it's gotten more specific recently with just like we know, okay, he's pitching this amount of pitches in the ACL, and then he's going to go this amount of pitches on this day. So it's getting closer, but um, I think you know maybe in their next homestand would be my guess. Okay, that would be Friday, May 26th versus Boston. Boston's in town. During the homestand. I'm not sure when in the homestand, but I can imagine it'll be some sometime during there. Three games against Boston, four games against Colorado, and then three against Atlanta. So that's an interesting—maybe Colorado would be a good team to come back <laughs> Ease against. Ease them back in a little bit. I, maybe. I don't know. I mean, you're probably not going to see the most— incredible competition against Colorado. Boston, they're okay. They're not very good, but Atlanta's a good team, and that's that's yeah. one where, like, I don't know that you even plan it around how competitive the opponent is, but... No, I think it'll be closer to, like, where he is in his his kind of his weekly yeah. schedule, but um, it's, a, it's a very good question because it doesn't seem like there's an obvious answer. Aside from Gallon and Kelly, I, I can't imagine it would be fought. Um, I just He's too new. He's getting his legs uh, underneath him a little bit. His last start was far and away his best one. He was Much terrific. Um, and, you know, he kind of propelled that win, a 2-1 to one victory over the Giants over the weekend. So I, for that, then it comes down to Ryan Nelson and Tommy Henry. And then 
that's a tough decision too. Nelson is coming off of his best start of the season against Oakland. Um, a lot more confidence in his off-speed stuff. The fastball he was locating great. He was climbing the ladder. I mean, some of those like 95, 96 mile an hour fastballs that just continue to climb. It just seemed unhittable. Henry's coming off of a not a dud, but a, a bit of more of a struggle than he had over his previous two starts. But he, for the most part, has been a pretty consistent presence back there. So yeah, that's a that's a tough decision too. Um, but uh, maybe it comes down to again what they do in their next starts because it's it's kind of hard to see who's separating themselves because Nelson had a great start last time, but the one before that wasn't amazing. And then you know Henry had a great start his start before that his last start wasn't amazing. So it just it keeps flip flopping, and I think it just kind of depends what they want out of their rotation and who they see as the better option long term potentially. There are. Um... Numbers are pretty similar for those two, Nelson and Henry. Their ERAs are both hovering around five, five and a half. Whips over one, four, seven. They're almost identical whips. Um, there might be a point where you do with Ryan Nelson what you've been doing with your young outfielders, where you know he gets sent down. Or the same goes for Tommy Henry if he struggles at some point, where you could send one of them down and recall Dre Jameson. Uh, that could be an option. Or they've got plenty of other pit, young pitching options in AAA, which is weird because like, I want some of these guys to stick. And part of me likes that they've rolled with Ryan Nelson the entire length of the regular season so far, that he's got nine starts, the same as Zach Gallen, the same as Merrill Kelly. Part of me likes that because they're not just doing this up and down, up and down, up and down, like mm-hmm. can't get my legs underneath me. Part of me likes that. The other part of me is like, okay, at what point do we not settle for mediocrity? Uh, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, he's 12 starts into his major league career. Right. I don't want to. Yeah, nothing. I know. I don't want to jump That's it. Nothing. Yeah. I don't want to jump it. But at the same time, we've talked about this for the last three or four weeks. The Diamondbacks are in a competitive mode right now, and they're not afraid to make the difficult decisions to be the absolute most competitive they can. If they look at Ryan Nelson and they look at, I'm just throwing a name out there, Blake Walston's pitching really well in AAA. Or even though he doesn't have enough starts yet to get the traditional call up, if you look at one of them like Walston and say we got a better chance with that kid on the mound than we do with Ryan Nelson, why wouldn't you make that move? Or same goes for Bryce Jarvis, who just uh, recently moved up to AAA but had a fantastic start last night. Or Dre Jamison, who's been you know figuring things out in AAA. If you think one of them, one of those guys, gives you a better chance to win. You have to make a move like that. And I'm not just talking about Nelson. It could be Tommy Henry or if Brandon Fought continues, if he implodes, you have to make those decisions this season of all seasons. Sure, but at the same time, growing pains happen with young pitchers. And what's to say you don't bring up one of those guys and you're kind of starting from square one where Nelson is figuring stuff out because that last start was very promising. And it was like, oh, it was against the Oakland A's. Yeah, but Oakland, their pitching is the worst in the league. Their hitting is about league average, um, so I thank you, just, Brent Rooker. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> He's I wouldn't like just the throw best hitter off, in the league all of a sudden. Throw that off to the side necessarily, but um, but so he he looked like a better version of himself in that start, and the, the version of himself that they want him to be. Um, great command on the fastball, you know, working the zone, but not sort of the bad part of the zone that we've seen from some of these young pitchers already who are leaving it over the middle. No, he did a great job of painting. And then he showed a lot more confidence in throwing the off-speed stuff to kind of complement. That cutter looked really good. And so, you know, I don't think now is the time to be like, okay, what, how do we reevaluate where he is at? Um, it, it's just such a tough question because you want to see what these young guys continue to do with like a half season underneath their belt. Yeah. But they have so many of them that it's hard to do that with. 
So well, and how many Nelson, places they, in your starting rotation can you really tinker with? Exactly. You and, know, right now they're tinkering with sixty percent of their rotation. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and with Nelson, I mean, they, you're right. It's a great point as far as they've stuck with him throughout this entire season. They see something there that they want to continue to explore with him at the major league level. And so I, I don't know. It would just be hard pressed to think like Zach Davies is ready. Okay, it's time to send him back down. So, but that, then that leaves you with Tommy Henry, and that kind of brings you with a lot of similar questions. It's just that he has been down before, and they've brought him, sent him down, brought him back up before. So, I don't know. And I would argue that Henry's pitching better than Nelson right now. Um, and not the, by a lot, but in their previous couple of starts, yes. But again, in the last start, and they don't have that many starts between them. No, right. and that's you know a fairly big percentage of what they've shown this season. Yeah. Lots of question marks still in that starting rotation. I don't know that Zach Davies answers a lot of them either, but at least <laughs> I mean, it's a veteran. I mean, he's a veteran, and they like the stability that he gives, but if these three young guys are pitching really, really well, and he comes up and it's not really working, I don't know. They, they, maybe, they, maybe they move on this season. It's possible. Somebody that I'd like to shout out that I think deserves some credit is in the bullpen. Miguel Castro's been pretty good. Uh, of the relievers, he's probably been one of my favorites to watch so far this season. Is that a fair... Fair read on the bullpen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's a he's an he's an electric reliever. I mean, just with the stuff that he gives, um, and, and with him, it seemed like it's just been a couple of you know poor outings, but for the most part, uh, he's been pretty lock solid or rock solid for them. I mean, in this past week, and I want to give some shout. If you're going to give shout outs to the bullpen, Scott McGuff has been much better. Um, he's been a bit better as far as his location is concerned. He he was very key in keeping them in the game. Uh, against Oakland in that extra inning game, throwing multiple innings in multiple jams. Not always his fault. Uh, defensively, they had a couple of stumbles late in that game. And uh, so if if he can continue to adjust to Major League play, if Chafin stays solid, except for that like one-week stretch where he, he struggled, Castro does his thing. Ginkle's given them a lot of good stuff. Kyle Nelson has continued to be a little bit more of a rocky week for him. but uh, Nobody's he's been, been good. really bad. Yeah. Which is at least no one's been bad. In good state step there. in the right direction. Yeah, because uh, even McGuff, you, like you mentioned, he's worked his whip back down to one point oh four. That's pretty darn good. Uh, Castro's the only one with a whip under one. Ginkle's been solid. I mean, he's always just kind of been that solid guy, kind of in the middle of the. That's what you need. And Jose Ruiz has also filled in that role very nicely. He's done a good job. Uh, I've liked a lot of guys in their roles. Kyle Nelson's been very impressive when it comes to not allowing runs. Uh, he's got the higher whip out of all these guys. He's given up the most hits in that bullpen. But I like Kyle Nelson a lot, and that's a lefty. ERA plus of 275. Uh, when you look at it that way, he's certainly one of the better ones. So I did want to give a shout-out there. Uh, we are about a quarter of the way through the season. Yeah, this is our, our first podcast since they hit that quarter mark. Yeah, I would say, all things considered, this is a pretty good spot to be in for the Diamondbacks. Uh, like we talked about earlier, if you had given me this exact scenario, I probably would have told you the team was not doing very well, but that's just not the case right now because where they are in the standings, where some of their young players are at in their development, I think that they're in a pretty good spot. In the National League West, the Diamondbacks are two and a half games back of the Dodgers right now. That's pretty tight. Um, and they've kind of gained a significant lead over the rest of the division. And a Dodgers team that has really pressed for starting pitching depth at this point because Dustin May just got hurt. And so, Tell me if you haven't heard that before. I, I know. It's, it's unfortunate because it's awesome to watch him pitch uh, when he's healthy. Maybe not against the Diamondbacks, but against yeah. everybody else. Um, so that's a team that, you know, at this point they've been 
um, they've been probably the best team in the National League uh, after that series loss against Arizona earlier this season. But man, if if they have some stumbles because of their starting pitching depth isn't quite there. I mean, Julio Urias got knocked around against St. Louis the other or uh, yesterday from when or on on Thursday. I guess we're recording this on a Friday, so I don't know. There might be opportunities if the Diamondbacks just continue to be steady a good hitting team, a good defensive team with a couple of great starting pitchers at the top and that they can continue to stay in this division race at least through this next potential quarter of the season. I like the development of the team. I mean, if you want to look at it from an all-star perspective, we're going to get into June and we're going to be talking about who's going to be the all-stars and the Diamondbacks have legitimate all-star candidates this year. Uh, one blatantly obvious one is Zach Gallen, who's probably leading the NL right now in a Cy Young race. Mm. Uh, I think there's other guys who probably deserve a look. If Gabriel Moreno's hitting 320 in June, then we might have to look at that as an option. I know he's not; he doesn't have quite the number of at bats that some other catchers do, but he's been fantastic. Christian Walker with his power at first base and defense combo, love that. Uh, Perdomo, does he get some looks at shortstop? I don't know, maybe, but again, a little bit less in the plate appearances. Lourdes Gurriel is sixth in the National League in slugging right now. He deserves to be in that conversation, whether that's left field or DH, or I don't know how they do the voting anymore, but Corbin Carroll, I know that he's slowed down a bit since his torrid start, but he's still hitting 279 on base 363. He's got 10 stolen bases, six home runs. They've got some legitimate all-star candidates, and no offense to Joe Manaply, but this just feels a lot better than last year, where your only all-star is only because you had to have one, and they just gave it to a middle reliever. And he was good and deserving of going, but it doesn't make you feel good when you send a middle reliever to the all-star game. It makes you feel good when you send a top-of-the-line ace to the all-star game and maybe even starts the game. Yeah, and it's possible. I mean, the, uh, I think MLB had uh, came out with their rankings of Cy Young candidates for the National League, and they put him at number one. Of course. Um, and deservedly so. He's been tremendous for them, and he's continued to be throughout the season. I mean, uh, even his FIP versus his ERA, I don't know if you've seen it. His ERA is 2.35 through nine starts. FIP is 1.78. So yeah. he's getting a little bit unlucky compared to some of these metrics. But um, 11 strikeouts per nine. He's he's been tremendous. But you're right. I mean, there's just more solid, good players who are closer to what they're going to be for this team. And you know, maybe not everybody stays as hot as they are this whole season. But I mean, even even if some of them do, and they get better production from some guys who come up, and it's just it seems like there's a sustainable model here for um, just offensively pitching wise there's more growing pains with this, the younger guys but offensively there seems to be a, a, a decently sustainable model here just given the depth that they have so you're right there's a lot of guys to choose from as far as like oh who has been your favorite player to watch so far this season for the Diamondbacks it's not just oh this guy's had a few good starts and this guy came out of the bullpen a few times and no it's legitimately up and down the lineup you can pick from anybody yeah by the way being overshadowed by Zach Gallen, also maybe deserving of being an all-star is Merrill Kelly Merrill Kelly's ERA is under three. It's 2.92. His whip is 1.09. Merrill Kelly's been more than just solid. He's normally just solid. And that's the way we define him. He's been outstanding. And he might deserve an opportunity as well to go to his first All-Star game. That would be really cool to see as well if he continues to pitch this way. So that's just another name that I wanted to throw into that mix. I don't care so much about who goes to the All-Star game and how they play in the game really doesn't matter. Um, I care much more about the team dynamic, where they're at in the standings when they get to June and July. 
uh, how guys are developing. I mean, this whole season was intended to be how do you develop the young guys? It's, it's kind of like last year, but like a step forward. It's like, okay, now they're all here. All those young guys are here. Moreno comes over in the trade in the offseason. Uh, you've finally got the full outfield, even though they've sent a couple of those guys down. They have young outfielders they're developing. Young pitchers starting to come up. This is the year that was supposed to be developing the core. I think they're kind of doing it simultaneously as they are competing, which is partially the context of how the NL West is playing. I mean, the Giants, not great. The Rockies, never good. The Padres are down right now. They're 20 and 24. Mm -hmm. And so there's this opening for the Diamondbacks where it's a very odd season where I would have been fine with it if they didn't make the playoffs, but they just showed dramatic improvement. But they're showing dramatic improvement and they have a chance to make the playoffs. And that's kind of the perfect scenario for them. Yeah, because, you know, what's a better opportunity to continue to develop than games that matter? Uh, and it's games, true. when you're winning and you can keep that going and the guy in front of me just got on base, I have to drive him in because we're up by one and we need to get this insurance run in uh, to keep our four game winning streak alive kind of a thing. So there's just a lot of good opportunities. They're putting their younger guys in. And so far, so good. They've kept composure. They've been a very uh, say productive at bat, but also a very disciplined at bat this season. I mean, one of the most disciplined teams at the plate uh, throughout the entire year, just as far as they don't chase and. When they get pitches in the zone, they're swinging and they're putting they're putting them in play. Uh, they're first in the league in zone contact percentage, huh. and uh, they don't strike out a lot. They don't swing and miss a lot, and so when they continue to put the ball in play with the speed and the capability of the guys that they have, it's been working so far. So uh, that's what I mean by sort of like the sustainable aspect of it is because it's not just certain guys get hot at certain times, but it's also because they've been a pretty disciplined at-bat throughout, and because of that, it's given guys opportunities and right now Lord Escuriel has the hot hand who knows Cattell Marte could have a spectacular end of the May and beginning of June Christian Walker's been you know rock solid all season for them so far he's, he's been on an especially hot streak right now maybe the next guy to do that maybe Corbin Carroll comes back up and hits like he did earlier in the season it's just they have so many guys who are capable of doing that and because they keep themselves in it that's given them the opportunities to do it okay so we've talked about the good a quarter of the way through the year what are some areas that this team needs to improve? You just talked about plate discipline. While it's true that they are one of the most disciplined teams at the plate, they're not one of the teams that's walking the most mm. because they're currently ranked 22nd in Major League Baseball when it comes to walks. So even though they're third last in strikeouts, which is great, they're also not really getting on base in terms of the walk. Is that an area where they could improve? I think it is, but I also think it's one they're already improving on a little bit just remember where they were at the very start of the season like where they were last. dead last so in fact that they're climbing up a little bit is a it's a good sign um i think overall on base percentage they're still top 10 um so but that's been Seventh. a lot of they're 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 getting a lot of hits they're getting a lot of hits and sometimes when that doesn't happen you need to get walks in order to get on base i think one area strangely enough um and i think and hazen mentioned this earlier this week is running more um, stealing more bases because we saw the kind of chaos they created early, very early in the season. Like the first week or two, yeah. And then it has sort of calmed down a little bit. Um, and so that's an area where they're they're still capable. And look, they don't have McCarthy. Now Alec Thomas is not there. So they don't have quite as many guys to steal bases. But like Corbin Carroll's steals have been down. He banged up his knee when he ran into the wall. As The more healthier he gets, the more opportunities he's going to have to steal. And that's a guy who, if he walks, he could be on third base in a, in a minute. So... Uh, I think just even being more and more aggressive on the base pass isn't necessarily what I'm saying they need to get better at because 
They're good at it. They're already good at it. They're just not doing it like they were the first couple of weeks of the season. As in particular with the steals. Yeah. Um, Carroll had like five in the first week, if I remember right, and he's right now sitting at 10. I think he had three in a game against the Dodgers. Yeah. Something like that. But yeah, that's one. And then I think it's just, you know, the back end of the rotation just solidifying. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing that we're going to be watching is just the younger guys improving every start. Maybe you get Xavier's in there, but it's just figuring out the right combination of guys you want to have in that rotation and then them continuing to improve. Because I think the bullpen has done a pretty good job, and I think that if the rotation solidifies itself, that'll help the bullpen a bit. Now they have an extra guy in there because they were running with a one-man short. They sent down Thomas. They bring up Frias. Um, I'm not sure if Frias is the long-term answer there just because of certain um, location problems that he's had with them over the last couple of seasons, but... I think the bullpen has been solid and has the potential to continue to be more solid. So I don't know if there's a ton of areas where you look at it and it's like they need to improve there. I think it's just being a little bit cleaner in certain tight games and then just letting the growing pains flush out with the back end of the rotation. Geraldo Perdomo has 110 plate appearances. Nick Ahmed has 82. So that's, by my math, 29, almost 30 more plate appearances for Perdomo. Is that the right split at shortstop, the way that he's outperforming Ahmed right now? I mean, Perdomo's playing as well as you would want your everyday shortstop to play. So, I, I don't know. I, I get what they want to do with keeping Ahmed in there just because longest tenured guy on the team, leader, just, uh, you know, still a solid defender, even though he's not quite 2018 Nick Ahmed. Um, and offensively, he's been up and down, but he he had a couple of big up-ats this week. So, But just Perdomo's playing so well, you want to see him as much as you possibly can. Uh, and you want to see what's real and what's I mean, what's real is he's a very good eye, a very disciplined hitter, and a guy who puts the ball in play a lot, doesn't strike out a ton. Uh, he's maybe not going to hit 330 the entire season, but even if he doesn't, uh, he's going to provide value with his defense and his ability to get on base and make things happen. So, uh, I mean, I would like to see Perdomo play every day, but at the same time, I, I think there's no way that they're going to move off of Ahmed uh, unless something happens. Health wise, is it too soon for me to say that the Diamondbacks won the Dalton Varsho trade? Dalton yeah. Varsho straight up for Gabby Moreno and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Uh, you're too early. I think you got to give it a couple of years. But so far, Lourdes Gurriel has outproduced Dalton Varsho alone. Um, Varsho is obviously the better defensive outfielder, but then you add Gabriel Moreno, who has been a tremendous defensive catcher. You mentioned it, he's just continuously getting hits. They're mostly singles. Uh, you'd like to see him get a little bit more power. He's one home run and six doubles, and the rest are singles. Um, and a lot of it is he's finding holes, and he's doing a good job putting it in play. Uh, so there, there's definitely some areas of improvement and some areas that aren't quite as sustainable with him offensively, but there definitely are some bright spots for him to continue to grow off of, and he's been great defensively. So, so far, the Diamondbacks have gotten more value from their end of the bargain than the Blue Jays have. But, yeah, I think he had to give it a couple of years. Um. He had a really good start offensively to the season. He's been unbelievable defensively. Josh Rojas. I find this interesting. He does not have a home run this season. He's hitting two fifty six now, and he has the lowest on-base percentage on the team that's not Alec Thomas or Jake McCarthy, who have both been set down. Yeah, he's cooled off. How do bit. you feel about Josh Rojas right now? Because I'm conflicted. He's been so good defensively that I want him to play more and more because he's showing his value that way. Um, he's hit leadoff against righties in particular quite a bit this season, but the offense is starting to dip, and I'm a little bit worried. Yeah, he's not hitting the, he's not hitting the ball very hard. 
um, just in general. And even last week, he got a couple of like uh, exhale hits, but they were mostly jam shots or off the end of the bat where he poked it into left field. I th- he had a double the other day where it kind of looked like that. So, yeah, you're right. It's It's been one of those deals where it, it's, the, he's, the value was there um, because of his defense. And I think uh, he's 10th in the team in war so far, be- primarily because of the defense. But, yeah, there might be a situation where if Carroll kind of gets his, you know, rhythm back and feels more healthy, it might be an opportunity to maybe hit him lead off at some point and maybe you move Rojas down and maybe that puts a little pressure on him. I'm not sure, entirely sure what they can do with him offensively. I mean, he's he's had lulls throughout his career and has bounced back from them. So he's not a superstar hitter, but he's been a much better hitter than he's showing at least over this last month or so. But you're right. Defensively, it gives you so much value that it's kind of hard to move away from him. And they don't have great options to move away from him unless they want to put Perdomo in the lineup uh, against left-handed pitching. But that's what they have both Emmanuel Rivera and Evan Longoria to do. And Rivera has been tremendous against left-handed pitching for them so far. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe you do give Rivera some more at-bats just because of how good he's been. Um, but man, you you don't want to lose that glove. Uh, so Longoria has been pretty good against lefties. I say pretty good. He's been he's been fine. He's two sixty seven uh, batting average, three forty on base. That's not bad. It's the thing that gets me is they continue to play him against righties occasionally, and he's atrocious. He's hitting one thirty nine. His on base is even lower. It's one thirty five. Um, so clearly Longoria should not be playing against righties. I mean, this is full-on Jordan Luplo role from last year where you just can't play the guy against righties. Now, Luplo did not do what he was advertised as. He did not even hit lefties. So that experiment failed. I don't think the Longoria experiment has failed. I think he's doing what he was supposed to do, which is hit lefties. I just don't understand why he has almost as many at-bats against righties as he does left. I think that'll continue to decline too, especially because Rivera and I mentioned him hitting lefties because he is good at hitting lefties but he's also been really good against right-handed pitching this year too um, so I think the more at-bats Rivera gets in this cycle the fewer that you'll see Longoria against right-handed pitching um, it, it was interesting with bringing up Rivera just because even you mentioned this on previous shows where he kind of cu- he's coming up to do what Longoria is pegged to do you already have that guy but, but he does it better. better. Yeah. He's been better so far this season. And you know what? If I remember right, I'm going to look back. I want to say he did the same thing last year with his splits. So looking at last year. He was tremendously hot when he first got over to Arizona. Okay. Last year yeah, too. no, he hit lefties better. He hit 264, 325 on base, which is fine. Um, he did not hit righties nearly as well. 218, 276 on base. So, yeah, I do think it's a little bit redundant. Maybe the plan all along was bring in Longoria as kind of a stopgap at third base, put Rivera back in the minors. He played in the WBC, if I remember right, which gives him a little bit of experience against top-notch competition in front of big crowds. I I like that. Um, I think Rivera might have more potential than Longoria at this point in his career. We kind of know what he is, right? Um, But... I don't have a problem with both of them being on the roster at this point. If for some reason we started to feel that they became completely redundant, like if Rivera wasn't hitting righties and was only hitting lefties and only playing third base, I'd be like, what are we doing here? Yeah. They're the same guy. But because he's hitting righties a little bit better, I think that does open up a few extra opportunities for him, although I don't think they're going to be vast. Yeah, again, it just it depends how long... It takes Rojas to kind of break out of this too, because if if he continues to hit like this throughout like the first half of the season, 
even with the defense, I mean, it just seems like well, Rivera's going to get his opportunities because he's hitting his way into those opportunities. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one because they, again, because Rojas gives you something completely different from the other two. That's very valuable, but in the other two, I mean, Angoria against lefties, Rivera just in general has been an offensive stud this season. So, um, it, yeah, and then it comes back to the roster construction, too, is like, okay, who? what's the next move? Is it only outfielder-based? What do you do with Pavin Smith if they do want to bring up one of these outfielders? He's gotten a lot fewer at-bats in general recently. So, I don't know. It, it, it's Again, it's a lot of moving parts. It, it feels like it's working right now in a way that seems harmonious. But uh, if, you know, struggles continue to come to Josh Rojas, I don't know. Maybe you do see him a little bit less even with the defense. Yeah, and there are a lot of good lefties in the National League West that, you know, when your schedule starts to pack at the end of the season where you're playing the Dodgers a bunch, you're playing the Giants a bunch, you're playing the Padres a bunch, you're going to see Blake Snell, you're going to see Urias, you're going to see Kyle Freeland, not that he's the greatest pitcher, but he's a lefty. Um, So you are going to have to figure out by August, you know, what is our role for these guys who hit lefties? Because if Josh Rojas can't hit a lefty, if Alec Thomas is up and can't hit a lefty, if Jake McCarthy can't hit a lefty, that's going to be where you're struggling. And so they do have to figure out those roles before they get to that point in the season. Um, Looking at the schedule uh, while we're talking about later on, uh, here's what's to come in the immediate future. Uh, Still on the road trip. They're in Pittsburgh for the next three games. Uh, starting today at 3.35. We're recording this in the morning, so they have not started yet. Gallon versus Oviedo. Um, obviously, getting Gallon and Merrill Kelly both in this series is awesome. Brandon Fought versus Mitch Keller. Who would have thought that would be a really fun matchup? But I'm excited about that one. The top prospects versus the top, pro- or the former top prospect versus the top prospect. Yeah. And Keller's finally turning into something. He's been really special. Been great, yeah. So that's kind of a fun series, admittedly. And I was a little bit more concerned about Pittsburgh early on. They've dropped off quite a bit, if I remember right. I mean, they're a little bit over 500, but they were really hot to start the season. And they, you know, they've beaten good teams this year. It's not a team that you just expect, oh, yeah, Davis, go back, go into Pittsburgh and go sweep them kind of a deal. No, they yeah. gave them problems last year, and uh, they were a little bit better this year. So uh, this should be a, a decent litmus test for them coming off of that Oakland series. Three and seven in their last ten, though, not so good. Then you get Philadelphia on the road. Uh, you're going to get Wheeler. Unfortunately, uh, you don't get Nola, but uh, the Diamondbacks might get Gallon at the end of that series. So there is yeah. there's some good, I guess, from that. And then you get a long homestand that we talked about. You get Boston for three games. I feel like Boston almost never comes here. I, I'm sure they do like every year, but it just feels like one of those teams wasn't, you never see. Wasn't Boston here? They were an opening day, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, they were a couple of years ago. I think I went to that game. I think that was in 2019, right? Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, so Boston for three, Colorado for four. I feel like we haven't played the Rockies a whole lot. Only one series so Only far this one year. Series. The one in the course, the one where uh, Carroll banged his knee against the wall. Right, and the D-backs did go two and one in that series. Um, so you get four against Colorado. Then you get Atlanta for three games. I'm always worried about Atlanta. Always, Should be. Always worried about Atlanta. I mean, <laughs> is the best player in baseball. So. so far, so far, yeah. I mean, they're 27 wins. I mean, they're they and the Dodgers are the top two teams in the National League so far. Uh, really, the only other team with 27 wins are the Rays and the Orioles. So, yeah, yeah, they've they've been as good as advertised. If you're looking for like easy games, there is a road trip coming up that is three games against the Washington Nationals and three games against the Detroit Tigers. Got to win five, four or five. Of them. Is that what you? Yeah, they could. They could. Uh, I, I know they the could, but, but like, are you? Uh, we'll talk about it as we get closer to the to that road trip. But like, yeah. I'd be pretty disappointed if they didn't win four out of the six of those. I think that would be a 
That's my line in the sand. A failed trip there, yeah, if they don't take at least four of those games. Interesting. All right, well. But that's a good place to be. Four out of of six wouldn't be too bad. Hey, four for five last night was Alec Thomas after being sent down. So I guess he's taking the the news pretty well. (laughs) We'll see how he develops in the minor leagues uh, as things progress. All right, for my friend Alex Weiner, I'm Steve Zinsmeister. You've been listening to the Ain't No Fang podcast here at ArizonaSports.com and on the Arizona Sports app.